3w africa link it's another day but as you know every day is africa link day hello and welcome to yet another edition of dw's africa link from our studios here in bonn germany i'm your host josie mahachi and i'm isaac mugabe we are reaching you live on our facebook page dw africa and through our partner stations across the world tune in share and comment Coming up, anticipation is World International Court of Justice ICJ rule on Gaza emergency measures in Israel genocide tomorrow, Friday, the January the 26th. The effects of tomorrow's ruling, provisional measures coming out of this, then this would be legally binding. There is one little problem. If the court doesn't have a police or like no military to like put through or put into effect his judgments. And Nigerian authorities warn against illegal mining in the country. A lot of these banditry, terrorism, insecurities that we associate with this sector are actually sponsored by illegal miners. We will also be updating you on the AFCON tournament, but for now, the world's news in brief. DW News. Welcome to the news. My name is Jen Nyinge. The Russian state media says both black boxes for a military plane crash have been found in southern Russia. The Kremlin says Kyiv's forces shot down the aircraft, killing all 74 people on board. The victims included 65 Ukrainian soldiers who were on the plane as part of a prisoner swap. Moscow claims Ukraine was given a 15-minute warning about the flight, something Ukraine has denied. But even if Russia did tell Ukraine, would 15 minutes be enough, enough time to warn Ukrainian frontline units? Here is Marina Miron, a security analyst at the King's College, London. Or Ukrainian, uh, at least military intelligence, was aware of when uh, and where it was going to happen. So I think given the advance warning when the plane was 15 minutes before entering that dangerous area to the front troops and the Ukrainian communications are working well, I think it might have been enough to turn off the air defenses in order to allow that plane to get through without being targeted, mm-hmm. presumably if that's if, if the Ukrainians had that information. Kiev is accusing Moscow of deliberately risking the lives of prisoners of war and has demanded an international inquiry. The UN Security Council will meet to discuss the incident at the request of Russia's foreign minister. French President Emmanuel Macron is in India for a two they visit. Prime Minister Naredra Mondi will host Macron in his palace. New Delhi says both countries are strategic partners. Paris is eyeing trade deals with the world's fifth largest economy. To the war in Gaza now and the United Nations says at least 12 people were killed when tank fire hit a shelter in Han Yunis in the south of the Gaza Strip. The city has become the focus of Israeli military operations. The UN facility was housing hundreds of displaced people. The Israeli army says it was not responsible for the strike but that is still investigating the incident. In Washington, D.C., the Biden administration, through its spokesperson, Vidat Patel, has called the shelling of the U.N. shelter incredibly concerning. 
when we deplore today's attack on uh, the UN's Khan Yunus Training Center. Um, you've heard me say it before, you've heard the Secretary say it before, but uh, civilians must be protected, and the protected nature of UN facilities must be respected. And humanitarian workers uh, must be protected so that they can continue providing civilians with the life-saving uh, humanitarian assistance um, that they need. This news is coming to you from DW in Bonn, Germany. Six Ghanaians, including three soldiers, have been sentenced to death by hanging for their involvement in a coup plot three years ago. This was the first treason trial in Ghana since 1966 when post-independence leader Kwame Nkrumah was overthrown. The six were arrested in 2021 while testing weapons in capital Accra to allegedly topple the government. And Nigeria's President Bola Tinubu says he has no plans to move the country's capital from Abuja to Lagos. The presidency blamed political opponents for such rumors, saying there is no truth in them. The speculation began before Tinubu, who who was once or who once served as a governor of Lagos took power last May. For more news and information, head on to our website dw.com forward slash Africa. My name is Jin Nyingi. And you're listening to Africa Link Program with me, Isaac Mugabe. And me, Josie Mahachi. Welcome to all of you on our Facebook page, DW Africa, and everyone who's tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent. We also appreciate everyone who catches Africa Link on Spotify. Now we head to South Africa where judges at the International Court of Justice ICJ will tomorrow, Friday, rule on whether they will grant emergency measures against Israel following accusations by South Africa that the Israeli military operation in Gaza is a state-led genocide. Well, earlier this month, in two days of hearings, South Africa asked the ICJ, also known as the World Court, to order an emerging suspension of Israel's devastating military campaign in the Palestinian enclave of Gaza. But what more do we know about who the veteran judges in this Gaza genocide case was the first question I asked DW's Europe correspondent, Lucia Shilton. So what is important to understand is that this is a case that is happening at the International Court of Justice in The Hague, and there will be 15 judges, international judges, that um, are supposed to find their judgment. And then every party which is a member of this case is allowed to send their own judge. And um, both countries, so South Africa and also Israel, have done that. And um, South Africa did send um, Dikan Mosenike, and he is uh, one of South Africa's most senior retired judges. He's 76 years old, and he is, he's known for already having fought against apartheid and also having played a key role um, when it came to the transition of South Africa to democracy. So um, he is a well-known judicial person in South Africa, as well as his um, counterpart, so to say, uh, Aharon Barak, who's the man that is being sent by Israel. So he himself is a Holocaust survivor and he has mm-hmm. been um, a chief justice of Israel's Supreme Court. He is well known for being a critique of um, Benjamin Netanyahu. And what both have in common uh, is that they both have been judges uh, really at top courts of the countries. And I've heard um, from a specialist uh, before the last hearings that he thinks um, that two very important um, legal characters are being sent also shows how serious the countries take that case.
Mm. All right. So the judgment is likely to happen tomorrow, but you were following the case uh, when it was happening. What exactly are South Africa's requests? So the judgment that happens tomorrow, and this is really important, is a judgment um, or like a decision for so-called provisional measures. So South Africa has been bringing this court to the International Court of Justice because of an allegation that Israel has breached the Genocide Convention. Um, South Africa is saying that Israel is committing acts and omissions which are genocidal in character. But the judgment tomorrow or this decision is not so much about this question on the merits. It is about the question of the provisional measures. So that is really important to um, to see before maybe I say, uh, and then there have been the hearings and I went there and they have already both been making a little bit their case and saying why they both think um, that they're on the right side. But again, for now, the, the question is whether the, the court should these provisional measures and provisional measures are so-called emergency measures. So South Africa, when they filed the application, they have asked the court to decide uh, on a range of measures. Um, for example, they have asked to stop all military operation uh, mm -hmm. in Gaza. They have also asked uh, to bring in more humanitarian assistance, but also other things like um, collecting proof, further evidence, and then that Israel should report back to the International Court of Justice. And this, and only on these measures, the court will, will take the decision. And what is important there as well is that the court, when it will judge tomorrow or make his decision, he's not bound to what South Africa has asked. So they could also say that they have other provisional measures in mind or that they don't want to put any provisional measures so they're really free uh, to judge on this. Israel has said, uh, has asked to dismiss the case altogether and that also no provisional measures would be needed. Okay, thank you so much for clarifying that. But Lucia, what could be the effects of a ruling? So um, the effects of tomorrow's ruling could be if there would be a case uh, or like provisional measures coming out of this, then this would be legally binding. There is one little problem, if you want. So um, yeah. it, it is that the court doesn't have a police or like no military to like put through or put into effect his judgments. So what could happen? Um, so we've also seen it with Ukraine and Russia. There has been a similar case with provisional measures and then uh, the court said that Russia should stop all of its military, uh, that Russia should stop all of its military operations and nothing happened. So it is legally binding. There's no police. There are, they could go, then the state could, uh, like the state that has been asking for it, or other states could go to the United Security Council and ask for enforcement. But, okay, mm -hmm. Lucia, before I let you go, what are some mm -hmm. of the international responses to this genocide claim? So there has been quite a lot of responses in a way. So, um, for example, when the when South Africa has been bringing forward the case, um, the Muslim nation has been welcoming this, um, and also other countries have been speaking out in favor of uh, South Africa and the case. Um, but at the same time, there was also the US uh, that has said that the case is meritless, and also Germany has um, rejected the genocide claim. I was speaking there to DW's Europe correspondent, Lucia Schulten. Now, we move on to a story that is affecting some countries, and it's about illegal mining. Uh, to begin with, more than 70 people lost their lives in southwest Mali after an artisanal gold mine collapsed last week, becoming 
the latest, latest disaster in a region prone to mining accidents. Now, Mali's government called on communities living near mining sites and gold miners to respect safety requirements and to work only within the perimeters dedicated to gold panning. It is also the case in Nigeria where authorities in the country now clamp down and want to ban and the illegal activities of miners. It was alleged that insecurity in the country has a connection with illegal mining. This development comes with the increasing kidnapping epidemic in the capital city of the country, Abuja, where 50 kidnapping cases recorded in recent years. Our correspondent, uh, Shehu Salmanu, brings us more on this report. The deposit of mineral resources in the northwestern part of Nigeria remain a cause rather than a blessing because of the activities of illegal miners. Nigerian authorities have warned that the days of illegal miners are numbered as they were alleged and confirmed of funding insecurity asserted by the country's Minister of Solid Minerals Development, Mr. Dele Alake. A lot of these banditry, terrorism, insecurities that we associate with this sector are actually sponsored by illegal miners. Now, these illegal miners are not your artisanal miners. They are not the people who pick gold rusts on the, on the ground. No, these are heavy, powerful individuals in our country. And they are Nigerians. The authorities of the northern state of Zamfara, which has been a plush point of banditry and place with abundant solid minerals, have since issued a ban on illegal mining as part of the measures to end insurgency in the area. The central government has also taken necessary steps, says the minister. I embarked on meeting with the ministers of defense, both of them, meeting with the chief of army staff, meeting with the national security advisor, meeting with all the security agencies with a view of clearing the insecurities in our mining areas. But now, with the introduction of artificial intelligence, we'll be able to pinpoint flashpoint. The recent spike of banditry and kidnapping around Nigeria's capital city, Abuja, are forcing authorities to do away with insecurity and its related issues. A security analyst and university lecturer, Saudat Umar, cleared the air on the relationship between banditry and illegal mining in the country. It has been claimed severally that illegal mining contributes to unbinditry in these communities, specifically in the Northwest. The cases are very severe and the negative effects are also severe. If you look at how it affects even lives and properties, security, economic, environmental degradation, health risk, and loss of revenue to the Nigerian government. This swift action will enable the Nigerian government to be in total control of state's resources and block activities that endanger the lives and properties of the people. That was Shehu Salmanu. And in a related development, uh, rescue efforts are still undergoing in Zambia to pull out workers trapped trapped in a Chinese-owned mine. They've been trapped for more than three days and... uh, well, because of the infrastructure, the wagons that go down and pick up the minerals, mm-hmm. so they're still down there, but rescue efforts are still ongoing.
And for those just joining us, this is DW's African program broadcast from Monday up to Friday. Once again, I'm Isaac Mugabe. And I'm Josie Mahachi. We appreciate everyone who's tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent and on our Facebook page, DW Africa. You can also find us on Spotify. And it's time for, you know, to bring you updates about the AFCON, which is coming up. Host nation Ivory Coast, or the elephants, squeezed through the last 16 of the Africa Cup of Nations, but face an uphill task when they play against Senegal in the knockout stages. Now, this was the atmosphere and the ambience after they secured a slot. Oh, I, I'm very, very happy. Very, very happy. My, 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 my country goal is uh, uh, which time the final is very, very good for me. But I'm very, very happy. Yeah, God Yes, as you can hear, excitement there and a mix of languages. But to paraphrase what that fan, Jubilant fan, was saying, he was expressing his joy, saying, I'm very happy and my country, Ivory Coast, has progressed into the last 16. Josie. Okay, before we talk about Ivory Coast, Zambia finished third in the group on two points, which was not enough to take one of the four places in the last 16 reserve for the best third placed finishers. Well, the defeat left the Copa Bullets, or known as Chipolo Polo, with just two points after three games, one fewer than Ivory Coast. On the streets of Lusaka, fans gave mixed reactions. Africa Link. Sport. Uh, last night, the performance was okay compared to the first game against the DRC and Tanzania. But we had some chances which we didn't utilize. And we allowed that goal. It, that goal it put us under pressure. Um, Morocco, they were in front for 15 to 20 minutes. We were just uh, chasing the ball. So in the next time, we are meeting them in the World Cup. So we know how they play. So the coach should go back to the drawing board and uh, and and work on the mistakes. Polo Polo wasn't expected to play like that. Uh, they used the 4-1-4, yeah, which is the concentrated match on the striking force and the defense force. We expected them to to concentrate much on the midfield because we just wanted to score a goal. Given an opportunity, let's not waste one opportunity. An opportunity is given once. Let's score as much goals as we can. Let's uh, consolidate our defense and uh, let's avoid uh, uh, being jealous with each other when it comes to goal scoring. If I'm not in a position to score, let me give it other to another. A goal scorer is not only you. An assist is a goal also. Thank you so much, Glory Mushinge, for gathering those for us. Now, on Facebook, Lamin Fadera says, as a host nation, it's good for them to make it to round of 16, but the question is, Taranga Lions are one of the best teams they have to face. Well, host nation, Ivory Coast, like I mentioned, squeezed into the last 16 of the Africa Cup of Nations. On the day it fired its coach, Morocco's one-to-nil win over Zambia in Group F ensured Ivory Coast finished as the fourth-best third-place team, thus just qualifying for the knockout stage. Now, for that, the elephants owe a depth of gratitude to Morocco. Mm. <laughs> I love that, eh? for handing them a reprieve at the 11th hour, ensuring another dramatic twist to end an enthralling, unpredictable set of group games. Well, I've been speaking to a correspondent in Abidjan, Samson Omale, on a wide range of issues, and it starts by telling us the mood in the capital, Abidjan. 
Isaac, I can tell you that the mood here is that of excitement, joy, and a sense of fulfillment among Ivorians because at some point there was a feeling of disappointment that their team, the elephants of Cote d'Ivoire, hasn't done enough to get them through to the second round. And all hope was on what transpired or was going to be played between Morocco and Zambia. And eventually most Ivorians turned to be Moroccan fans, urging them on, hoping that they'd be able to beat the Zambians, and that they did. And the moment the match was called, you can feel and see a sense of relief. I mean, there were fireworks all over the place, and then, of course, partying all through the night. And then this morning, from the taxi drivers to those in the coffee shops, they are all talking about yesterday's game. They are talking about how much it means to them that they are going into the next round of the Africa Cup of Nations. So, Isaac, the mood here is that of relief, really, uh, because, again, for most Ivorians, they just couldn't stand the fact that they will not proceed beyond the group stages of the African Cup of Nations and they were really very angry. Uh, as a matter of fact, when they lost to Equatorial Guinea 4-0, you can tell that um, there were a lot that were happening in the minds of the people. Um, the, the scene of destruction, the scene of ventilation of anger that night suddenly disappeared with what we saw yesterday. Uh, having uh, the courage and of course uh, being very optimistic that yes, there's still something up for the Ivorians. We all know that uh, Ivory Coast was at the mercy of Morocco for it to qualify. But their next game is against Sadio Mane's Senegal, the Lions of Teranga. What's at stake for both teams, especially Ivory Coast, the hosts? The stake for the Ivorians is really, really very high. Now, playing against the defending champions and again for a team that had a 100% record so far in this tournament is going to be a Herculean task for uh, the uh, elephants of Cote d'Ivoire, especially as hosts. For branding issues, for marketing purposes, you want you wouldn't want to see the host of such a major tournament go out so early. And then, of course, at this point, making it to the second round, you will also hope that you can proceed beyond uh, the second round. But when you face an opposition like the defending champions, the Lions of Taranga, the the game changes completely because again you have the likes of Sido Mane there in the team you have several top players who are playing their trade in Europe who are playing in the Senegalese national team and then looking at the history of the Ivorians in this tournament it's not been fantastic really um, they've not been able to be cohesive they've not been able to uh, get their attacking you know formation in such a way and manner that can give them the needed goals and all of that so going into this game is going to be one that um, is going to like a taxi driver told me this afternoon that it's going to be a do or die affair and um, it also complicates the matter because again the host will not be playing in Abidjan they've played all their three matches at the Alassane Watero Stadium this time around they have to move 250 kilometers away to Yamashukuro where they will be playing that second round match so uh, it's a smaller stadium and then of course um, it's a little bit far from town but yet they still can garner the home support but it's going to be a high take much and um, we hope that um, the better side actually will win uh, but going up against Senegal is going to be quite a tough match. Now Samson, Ivory Coast coach Jean-Louis Gasset was fired for insufficient results on the same day the team qualified for the AFCON knockout stage. Is the coach entirely responsible for the team's performance? 
usually when you have uh, teams with so much of expectations on them and not doing so well, um, the coach takes the responsibility. But funny enough, when the team does so well, uh, they don't so much talk about the coach anymore. And like one of the coaches was saying during one of the press conferences, he was saying that, look, I I'm not the one that will go in there and score the goals. I, I mean, I'm there to guide the team, but you have an you have a one-on-one -on -one situation with the goalkeeper and then you can't score. How is that the responsibility of the coach? So, I mean, firing the coach right in the middle of the tournament, I mean, uh, it, it's something that is going to have some bit of effect, whether we like it or not, on the team. Because now um, the responsibility of urging the team and directing the team from this point lies on an interim coach you're going to bring in at this point. And having to jet in a man who had taken you through the qualifiers, now you are into the championship and then terminating his uh, contract at this point, or as we heard, he resigned from his position, um, is going to uh, spell some some form of effect on the entire team but again uh, the team also has uh, a bit of responsibility right now because Ivorians are not happy and I think that with this opportunity that have been gifted the host country uh, the the players who want to uh, put in their very best to see how they can turn out positive results so firing of the coach may be good it may look like the best thing to do the fans may be calling for it but at the end of the day does it translate to uh, the team winning does it translate to the team scoring goals does it translate to the team playing in such a manner that um, would draw uh, the 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 accolades of the fans it remains to be seen let's now talk about other upcoming games what are those must watch games coming up this weekend I mean, um, Isaac, there are lots of exciting futures to look out for. Let's talk about the very first day of the knockout stage. 27th of January, you will have the game between Angola and Namibia. Namibia appears to be the underdog, as it were, but coming into this tournament, we've seen how they have defied the odds, beating some of the best teams, um, favorites for the title. And of course, you look at Angola, not played so badly. So that's one game to look out for. But I'm sure that the crunch game everybody's talking about is the Super Eagles of Nigeria and the Indomitable Lions of Cameroon. That is a much game. That is a must-watch game. It's a crunch game, uh, and uh, for the Super Eagles who haven't, you know, fared so well in this tournament, but again, have some of the best stars on the continent. You ask yourself that would they be able to hold their own against an indomitable lion side that is very physical, that is very determined, that is that is also very forthright. Even though, again, they may have some goalkeeping issues uh, in the form of Andre Onana, the Manchester United goalkeeper, but. By and large, um, both teams match themselves up. In 2019, uh, during the African Cup of Nations, uh, also at this stage, it was the Super Eagles who got the better off result from the Indomitable Lions. They won 3-2, but going into this game this time around, the, Ivo the, the, the Cameroonians, I beg your pardon, will want to see if they can take a revenge on the Super Eagles. Another game to look out for uh, in the days to come will be the game between Morocco and South Africa. Um, that's another matchup that intends to bring something very, very interesting. And also we have Egypt and Dia Congo. Dia Congo has proven, uh, if you look at the kind of games they've played so far, um, they have been able to announce to the world that yes, their, their football has come of age and they are able to also 
put up some fantastic opposition and when they need be, they'll be able to turn out the kind of results um, that is expected. Equatorial Guinea and Guinea-Bissau is also another game that um, should draw a lot of attention and um, not to forget the one between Mali and Burkina Faso. So the second round matches um, intends to be very, very, very interesting going into this next round because again, this time around, there's no mathematical calculations. There are no points deducted or points earned by other teams that will make you to go through. If you win, you win. If you lose, you're out of the competition. As someone has followed the games, how do you rate the general performance of players? For me, um, the general performance of the players has not been too bad at all. Um, for the top players, um, somewhat a little bit disappointed that they've not been able to, you know, come out, you know, in their strides. You look at the likes of Mohamed Salah, even though he picked up an injury. Inaki Williams of Ghana. Ghana is out, but he's back in his club. You also look at um, um, Sangari. You look at the likes of Victor Usimen of Nigeria. Um, these are all, even um, Riyad Mahrez of Algeria. Algeria is kicked out and they, they, they didn't really live up to what you'll expect. And then for the Moroccan side, who went through to the semi-finals of the last World Cup, Hakim, uh, Hakimi is there, Ziyech is there, even though he picked an injury in the last group game. Um, he scored a goal. Um, it, it's been a mix fortune but again you will not forget that there's been also some rising stars in this competition and this is what the competition offers often throws up uh, i mean you you it give birth to new stars so generally the uh, well-established players haven't have had a mixed fortune in terms of their performance and then for the upcoming players players that are not known they've been able to also announce their name on the big stage so so far it's a mix and then when you have this kind of mix it gives you a better uh, uh, watching experience as a fan and of course as a journalist who follow this game uh, it definitely will make you want to look out for more of the stars that are either being birthed or the ones who are established and you are hoping that they'll be able to bring their A game uh, to these matches. Thank you, Samson O'Malley, for that insight. And on our Facebook page, uh, we told about the next game, Nigeria versus Cameroon, and what we expect. Manson Gegwa says uh, Morocco and group stage considered a goal when they played DRC. And that the Tunji TJ says now the boys will be separated from men. Teams advancing will be seen as true champions after weathering the storm. Yeah, in another game uh, that everyone is waiting for is Senegal against Ivory Coast. And uh, Calistus Bunke says Cote d'Ivoire will spring surprise against Senegal. Mm-hmm. And there was a match between, of course, Zambia and Tanzania, which gave way to Ivory Coast to go through. Lamin Federer says, as host nation, it's good for them to make it round of 16. But the question is, uh, Teranga Lions are one of the best teams they have to face. Okay, thank you so much for those comments. Remember, we are on Facebook, DW Africa. Tell us what you think about the tournament. And tomorrow, Isaac will be having a story of the week, a broader one on the AFCON. You don't want to miss that. But until then, my name is Josie Mahachi. And I'm Isaac Mugabe. Until tomorrow, same time, same place. Bye for now. DW. Made for mind.